Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm about to hop on Morning Tea Live on Instagram, so you can catch this on there or here or YouTube or wherever you prefer. We have a very juicy topic for today. I'm very excited. There's a lawnmower going on, so hopefully you can't hear that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tea Live. Happy Wednesday. I'm so excited for today's topic, TV addiction and anxious attachment. So the things that we are going to be talking about today around TV addiction can apply to literally any other addiction, phone addiction, social media addiction. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, then I have some protein shake stuck in my throat. Okay. Okay, we're good. (laughs) So this applies to any other type of addiction, social media addiction, video game addiction, porn addiction, uh, phone addiction, screen addiction, yoga addiction, kale addiction, like literally any addiction, this applies. So I'm talking specifically about TV addiction because that is the addiction that Oh my God, my phone won't stay straight. Hold on. It keeps tilting. If you guys are watching this on the gram, you're going to get a little, you might get a little dizzy. Um, hmm. Why is it not staying straight? No. Okay, let me move it down here. Right here. Okay. So... The reason why we're talking about TV addiction in particular is because that is one of my main addictive behaviors that I have been working continuously to heal. And it got to a place where for the most part, I was able to release it for months at a time. And then this past week, I had a relapse of this addiction. I don't know if you guys can hear this. There's a lawnmower like right outside the bathroom. So we are going to practice noticing the distraction and coming back to the present. (laughs) I have my headphones in, so it like amplifies the noise of everything. So I'm like, wow, it feels like it's in here. Okay. So I had a little relapse this week with my TV and I want to walk you through exactly how the relapse happened because this is really important to know. So first of all, let's define what an addiction is. An addiction is anything that takes you away from yourself and disconnects you from yourself in order to feel this sense of coping. If you guys watched my last live I did on Instagram where I talked about the difference between coping and healing. TV is one of those things that does not heal. It helps you cope. So it helps numb the emotion in your body. It helps you distract the emotion in your body so that you can avoid the emotion in your body. Why would we want to avoid emotion in our bodies? Because our nervous systems register that emotion as a threat because we've not built internal safety 
enough to show our bodies that that is not a threat, that it is actually safe to feel. So over the past two and a half years at this point, I have built a lot of internal safety, meaning I don't need the external things like TV, like validation, like men, men and dating, food, the way that I used to. Now I'm still human. So I still have periods where the emotion will get so strong that my nervous system will go to those old behaviors, TV, food, whatever it might be. And every single time this happens, I have the awareness of, oh, I know exactly what's happening. And so because I know what's happening, I get to choose how I want to relate to it. Sometimes I will choose the route of my highest self and I will choose to not engage in the addiction and I will choose to, um, you know, respond and react differently to it. Other times I will choose the route of my inner child and fully let the emotion take over. And then I have to sit with the shame of my decision. So anything can be an addiction. And how does this play into anxious attachment? First of all, doesn't matter your attachment style. We all have addictions because we live in an addicted world. We live in a world where it's normalized to work, 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 hustle, 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 go home, binge TV, binge eat, binge hot smoke, binge drink, go to bed, do it all over again. Like that is completely normal in our society. So I want to be clear that regardless of your attachment style, we all live in an addicted world in society, which is what I'm here to change. Now, how this relates particularly to anxious attachment, because that is the attachment style I enjoy focusing on the most, because that is the attachment style that I have healed the most with myself and my clients. When we have that emotion come up, let's say it's fear, we reach for the addiction, the TV addiction, the yoga addiction, the whatever the, anything can be an addiction if it has an addictive charge behind it. So I could be going to yoga and not feel any addictive charge. I could allow it to help me feel connected to myself, or I could be going to yoga every single day, very rigidly kind of in this OCD way and be like, okay, I need to go to yoga. And it's this energy of like saving, like the yoga is going to save me. That can be with anything. It can literally be with any behavior, working, TV, phone, like literally you name it, you can have an addictive energy behind it. Someone could also watch a TV episode and maybe not feel as addicted to it. So it's all about the energy in which we are relating to the thing. So how this relates to anxious attachment is when we have that emotion come up, that, that then that leads to wanting saving. So let's say there's an emotion of fear that comes up that activates your inner child and your inner child is feeling scared and they want saving. They can turn to get that saving to people, you know, they can turn to people for that. They can turn also to addictions. So something like TV addiction allows the person to grasp onto it just the way that we can be, just like the way we can be anxiously attached to money, to people, to anything else, if we're grasping on to the TV for saving, there's some anxious attachment there. It's anxious attachment literally just means that there's a deep, deep fear, deep fear of abandonment, and you are disconnecting from yourself. And so 
however that looks like. You could be disconnecting through TV. You could be disconnecting through yoga. Think about a yoga class you've been to recently. Think about how in that one hour of yoga, you might have been physically moving your body and going through the poses, but think about were you actually just in your head ruminating for an hour, right? So that even if we're doing the thing that looks really healthy, like an hour yoga class or whatever it might be, we could still be relating to that thing from a very disconnected place, like not actually being in your body not actually being present with the yoga class, but just staying stuck in your head. I used to live so much of my life in my head. So I know this feeling all too well of like, yeah, I'm physically doing the poses, but I'm just like, it's fucking exhausting. So we have that addiction. We feel that graspiness and we basically are just avoiding the emotion. And that's what anxious attachment is, is we are clinging on to something else to disconnect from ourselves. So let me walk you through this week and what happened with my TV addiction. So let's backtrack. The last time that I watched TV was two months ago in early September. I was visiting a friend in Hawaii and we watched a show together. And once that started, I then got hooked in and I finished it when I got home. That was two months ago. Hadn't watched TV in two months, which was actually a shorter stretch. Normally I'd gone longer than two months without it, but for this time it was two months. And the past couple of weeks, there was a series of events, <laughs> a series of events that took place that triggered deep fear in my nervous system. So the first event was I moved to a new place that is about a thousand over a thousand dollars more than my last rent I hired a new social media manager my mentor raised her rates basically all of my expenses shot up and as my expenses were shooting up my business was slowing down and so there was this like, ooh, thing happening that created a lot of fear around money. That was the first thing. The second thing was I ended up having my dad visit and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful visit, but something about, something about him being here and being in like dad mode, really just like, I think it was two things. One it was the first time that I really was relating to him just from my adult self. Like I, you know, when your parents come you can easily get into that like inner child mode of like, yeah, just take care of me. I really felt like I was still in my adult self, still in my power. And I think that felt weird because I'm like, oh, I usually relate like from this childlike place. And so it was a change. And we have to remember change feels scary for the nervous system and also something about him leaving it triggered something for little me like fear of abandonment or just you know feeling sad that I'm so far away from my family like it just it triggered little me and then right after he left I got a fever I hadn't gotten a fever in a year and a half and for those that know my medical history I used to get fevers like high fevers very often 
And <laughs> it was so random. It was like, I had no symptoms leading up to it. And then I got this high fever and it was the first time in my entire life that I had to get through this fever alone. Like any other time I was sick, I had someone physically there helping to take care of me. It was a big way that little me would get my needs met. This time it was the first time, like my dad was gone. I'm, I live alone. I was just home alone. And I, it was the first time that I had to get through this by myself and I could feel my inner child grasping. And I even reached out to, you know, um, my old neighbor who lives nearby. I, you know, I was blowing up my mentor's boxer. Like I was full on graspy mode of like someone fucking save me because fevers are my not one of my number one triggers because of my my medical history of almost dying from a high fever of 108. So my body goes into full-on survival mode. And I was like, okay, this is the first time I have to get through this alone. So I got through it and it was a big moment. I felt really proud of myself. And it was it put my nervous system into the state of survival mode and fear. And then after that, I felt better. But then I also felt a little sore throat. Like I felt like I was getting sick again. So there was just a lot happening. And then what else? Was there another thing that happened? Sick, my dad visiting. Oh, and just the the nature of the fact that right now I'm in the middle of three launches for my business. I'm launching my women's group, I'm launching my men's group, and I'm launching my membership. And anytime there's a launch, our anxious attachment can come out because we get scared of like, what if no one signs up or what if no one this and da da da. And like, I need to, you know, make enough to afford my expenses and I need to do this. And it's like, it puts you in this very frenetic state and every launch this happens where it's like, there are some days I feel so fully surrendered, so fully trusting in the universe, so fully releasing control, so fully just like connected to my vision, my joy, like really in my power, really just like in my magnetism. And in those moments, that's when I attract my dreamy clients. And so far I've, I've attracted a couple of those dreamy clients and it's like, yes, we're doing it. But then when the fear takes over and little me takes over, I get into that graspy mode of like, oh my God, like, what if I don't fill the grip in time? What if this, what if that? Or my brain will start attaching onto potential people that were interested I'm like, oh, are they going to join? Are they? It's like a, the attachment. It's like, ooh, it gets really strong. So all of that combined led to just my nervous system being in this deep state of fear. So my best friend had come over this past weekend and I forget how it even started. She had said like, oh, like, did you hear the new, um, the new season of Selling Sunset came out. And I was like, I don't even think I saw the last season because I'm not watching TV anymore. And immediately I could feel my body be like, oh, I want to watch it. <laughs> and so we put on the new season, realizing then that I had not seen the old season. So we backtracked. We watched like two episodes together. And after that, I was like, okay, like, I don't even know if I enjoyed that enough to keep watching it. But anytime I would feel like a lost, I told my mentor this morning, I feel like a lost toddler in the woods. Anytime I would feel that feeling of my inner child just feeling so fucking terrified and seeking saving, and I would think about putting on the show, it would be like, oh, okay, like that could be something comforting. 
And so I kept watching it and I intentionally did not tell my mentor because I knew what she was going to say. So it was literally like a child hiding something bad from their parent being like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself because it's so ridiculous. So, so I was like hiding this from her. I was like, I'm just going to watch the whole season before I tell her, I'm just going to, you know, just, just get it over with. And I can get one of, one of the symptoms of borderline is you can get really trapped in black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking. And so in my black and white thinking, I'm like, okay, like I just need to complete the season and then I'll, I'll know how it ends. And then I'll just like never watch TV again. Like I can get very much into this, you know, extreme mode of like, I watch a shit ton of TV and then I don't watch it at all for like a million years or, you know, a few months. So as I'm watching more and more TV, I'm getting more and more disconnected from myself. And as I'm getting more and more disconnected from myself and what I'm doing, knowing that I really have a lot to be focusing on right now, I get more and more dysregulated. So, so I'm fucking dysregulated at this point. I don't even know, like consciously I'm like, oh, I like, I know I'm safe. I know like everything's fine. Like I'm not sick anymore, you know, I'm, I'm launching these groups, like everything's fine. Like there's nothing wrong, but something that my mentor and I had been processing a lot was that my inner child and little me was so used to getting attention for not being okay. Being sick when we were processing my weight and shedding this weight in this health program I'm doing, we were talking about how even when I do the things like the clean eating and the exercise, my body will grasp onto my belly fat and my weight because that is the last form of sickness. It is the last way that my inner child is trying to get her needs met, trying to get attention because my inner child needs a lot of attention. So we really were processing this transition period I'm in of like, okay, I'm no longer needing attention for being sick, for being fat, for being not okay. Like, and so that means I'm going to be getting less attention. And so we're moving with that, knowing that I'm not getting attention. I'm not getting attention. I'm not getting attention. And she's like holding me that like, you're safe to not get this attention. You're safe to not get this attention. Like, you want to be getting attention for the, the amazing things, not the things that are keeping you stuck and suffering. So we're in this transition period. And as this transition period is happening, that's when like all these triggers dropped in, which is not a coincidence because you see the, the sequence of this at all. If we really uncover this, like this is my favorite part about this work is that I am my own best case study, right? Like I study myself and it's not easy because I have to look at really hard shit, but this shit is fascinating. Like, I mean, tell me this is not fascinating. The way that humans literally avoid themselves and are sneaky and like the sequence of events. So it started with little me not getting attention and not feeling safe because my body knows attention is safety, not getting attention. Fear is brewing. As that fear is brewing, my addict, my avoidance is getting stronger. So I'm on my phone later at night. I'm not taking good care of myself. I'm, my body is trying to get sick again because that's how it knows safety. So unconsciously it's like, oh, I'm, you know, just scrolling late at night or I'm reading the news late at night and getting sucked into all the atrocities of the world right now, which is not helpful for anyone. And that was from that initial fear of, 
I'm not getting any attention because I'm doing okay. Cause I'm okay. I'm great. I'm thriving and I'm not getting any attention. And so it started with that. And then because I was staying up too late, not taking care of myself, not getting enough sleep. And then I was going, 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 I was going to this event. I was going to another event. The event also had this like very frenetic energy and I recognized it and I didn't like get sucked in the way I normally would, where I'm like signing up for all the things for external saving. I was able to like, I'm just going to come back to myself here. And I really enjoyed the events, like beautiful, right? So the point isn't, oh, I shouldn't have gone to the events or I should It's like, there was a lot happening back and forth, like back to back. I had just moved. I was going to these events. They were very frenetic, very high dopamine. I had to come back to grounding. Then my dad visited right as the event was ending, like I just didn't have enough time and space for me. And as a two line in human design, I need a lot of alone time, like a lot. I need a lot of alone time. I, I absorb a lot of people's energies. I still need to work very much on energetic boundaries. So anyway, all of this is happening. And then because of the combination of me not taking care of myself with all of this busyness, my body got run down and I got sick. So now this whole thing of like, well, little me, like I'm training her not to need this attention, but then she ends up getting sick, which is the number one way she has gotten attention in the past. But now we have to do it differently because we're not seeking saving this time. We're actually doing this on my own. And so it was, so it was a lot, right? And so then after getting sick, then it was like, okay, the fear. And then that was a lot to go through. My nervous system was still in this frenetic place and then the tv bam okay so i so fast forward i'm i'm watching all this tv i finished season 1 or the most recent season or the season before that of selling sunset and then i'm like okay well now i got to watch the new season so i'm watching that i have 3 episodes left when i messaged my mentor yesterday morning and i'm like i'm a fucking mess like i don't know what's happening i am dysregulated as shit i can't stop crying I, and we've discovered that even crying can be a little bit of an addiction for me because my body knows if I cry, I get attention, like literally like a toddler. So I'm telling her like, I, I don't know what's going on. And I was like, I can't stop fucking watching the show. And I hate it. Like, I, I don't even enjoy the show. You know why it makes me so angry? They're getting paid on national television to promote trauma and dysfunction and dysregulation. It's all grown ass adults allowing their inner child and their trauma to argue with each other. And then they're getting reinforced for that by people getting sucked into the trauma, which then perpetuates our trauma as the viewers because our bodies are getting addicted to those stress hormones of watching this fighting. And the whole thing made me livid. And yet I couldn't stop watching it. I could, but I didn't. I chose not to stop I chose to continue watching it. And my mentor said, you need to decide, are those last three episodes more important than how you're feeling right now? And I said, you're absolutely right. I need to just stop right now and not watch the last three episodes. And so I'm refocusing. So yesterday was all about refocusing, refocusing, refocusing. I do like a whole laundry list of to-do stuff that I've been procrastinating on. And was feeling really good, feeling really good, like back to myself, connected, safe, like boom, boom, boom. Then last night, 
I'm trying to remember. So last night, made dinner, and then, yeah, there was still this graspiness. Like, I was still feeling graspy of like, okay, like, I think I'm okay. Like, everything's okay, but I'm still feeling a little like, I don't know, am I okay? And I was feeling graspy. I was feeling graspy with my mentor. I was feeling graspy with TV. I was just feeling graspy. And as we know, with anxious attachment, graspiness is literally the worst feeling in the world. It's like, you feel like you need something outside of yourself when really you don't. Like we have everything we need internally, but the graspiness makes us think that we just need to grasp on for saving. So I made my dinner and I'm like, fuck, I really just want to finish this stupid season. I fucking hate this season. I don't even enjoy it, but I just need to finish it. And I'm like, Rachel, you don't need to finish it. You don't need to finish it. And my mentor's voice was in my head. Like, you just tell yourself, no, you just tell yourself, no, you just tell yourself, no. And I was like, you know, I'm talking about this tomorrow morning tea. I really want to be able to have like a, a success story, like to really say like, okay, I stopped and I didn't watch the three episodes, but what did I do? I started watching the three episodes and I was like, oh, I'll just finish this episode. And then after that, I was like, I just have two more episodes. I just want to fucking finish it and not think about it. This is addiction. The way you hear me talking about this, the way you hear how it's pulling me in and how like I'm not honoring myself and how I'm making excuses for myself and how I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit about honoring myself. I'm just going to watch these fucking three episodes. That is addiction, like all of this addiction. And that is what TV and phones and social media and video games and drugs and all the things are meant to do. It's meant, it's designed to keep you addicted to the trauma and the chaos. So I watched the three episodes and I felt guilty about it the whole time. And I felt shame and I was just like, we're doing this. And I was like, I'm going to have to say this on my morning tea live on my podcast. I'm going to have to be I'm going to have to go in with full clean energy and admit with radical honesty that I chose my addiction over honoring myself. And that does not feel good. I would have been more proud of myself had I not watched those three episodes, but my need to know of like, how does it end? Da, 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 was so strong that I fucking gave into it. And I just kind of, I just like kind of accepted. It. I was like, yep, I'm going to do this. And I know that it's not the right choice and I'm doing it anyway. So I'm sharing that because I think sometimes we look at people and we're like, oh, well, how come it's easy for the, I had a friend who <clears throat> I referred to my mentor to do this work and she would say a lot, well, how come it's, you know, easy for Rachel to give up TV for six months and I can't even give it up for a week or how, you know, she would start comparing my healing and her healing. And my mentor would start laughing because she would be like, have you talked to Rachel? Do you know what she, what she's been doing? <laughs> and so I started talking to my friend more of like, listen, you're shaming yourself and you're comparing yourself to me, but I'm, I'm doing the same shit. Like, so this is why it is so important to share transparently, not because I want to reinforce what I did, right? I don't want to reinforce that. I want to practice what I preach and choose the higher road. But I also want to show you that as humans, we all have to make these choices. We all have to make the choices. And sometimes we make choices that we're not proud of. And so I have to then be with the shame of that, of like, I didn't choose myself because I was running away from my fear. And now I have to 
I have to experience and suffer the repercussions of that, of the dysregulation I experience, the, um, you know, the universe always gives little nudges. The universe is the biggest parent we have. So when we're doing something that the universe is like confirming, like, yes, yes, go, go. It'll give us a little nudge in that direction. And something that I had noticed. So usually this affects like money. Like I'll, I'll sleep with someone and the universe is like, bam, cut off clients. You're losing money. Like it'll literally tell me who, who I'm supposed to be sleeping with and who I'm not like, that's how specific the universe gets. So if you really pay attention to what you're doing and then how the universe responds, it will always put you in your place. And so at this time, it was something a little bit more subtle where, um, like you normally, I don't really focus on followers because I'm like followers go up and down. That's normal for any account. But this time it really felt a little bit more drastic where as I was watching the TV, I noticed my follower count dropped pretty significantly in a short amount of time. And then as soon as I stopped watching it, I noticed it go back up. So it was like these little nudges of the universe of like, you are going to pay the price of this. <laughs> and I know this may sound dramatic, especially to those of you who still watch TV every day. And this is such a normal thing. And you're like, why are you talking about it? Like it's heroin. It's literally heroin. You just don't realize it because your body is so used to it. So if you went two weeks without watching TV, you would physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, spiritually feel a difference. The first time my mentor ever told me, I want you to go two weeks without watching TV. I was in the middle of the Bachelor Bachelor in Paradise finale. It was like two weeks away from the finale. And I was like, bitch, are you crazy? Like, you're going to make me give up TV right before the end, right? There's a theme to this. Always right before the end where it's like, you're so close to the finish. And she was like, just two weeks. And I'm like, that literally feels like an eternity. Cause I watch TV every day. This was at the very beginning of my healing journey. So I was still watching TV every day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I went two full weeks without it. And I started feeling fucking amazing. Like it was like my whole body went through a cleanse where I was like feeling more connected to myself. I was spending my evenings connecting to my life, myself, my body, my breath, my vision. I would lie on my mat. I would do my chanting, my meditation. I would journal. I would pull cards. I would manifest. I would visualize. I would connect to my purpose. I just felt so in alignment. And I emotionally felt so much more regulated. I felt so much more connected. And it was like, holy fuck, how was I living that other way for so long? Like literally my entire life. For those that know me, I used to have a serious obsession with the show Friends. So much so to the point where when Matthew Perry passed away, I was getting messages about his death because everyone knows that I was a huge Friends fanatic. Like huge would watch them every night before going to bed when I was sick it was my number one show to watch it was like my medicine like it would make me laugh I waited four hours two of which were by myself for the New York City pop-up just to go into the pop-up shop and sit on the orange couch and all the things that version of myself even just talking about it now I'm like the one that would have the big friends poster hanging up in my living room and and people would gift me friends mugs and books like that version of myself 
is dead. Like she died. She's not even here. Like I'm not even that same person anymore. So when I, when I talk about it, it feels so surreal. I'm like, I can't believe I used to live like that my entire life. And it's not in a judgmental way. It's more of just a like, holy fuck. Like it's mind blowing to me. It's truly mind blowing. It's like my, my life has completely changed since giving up TV. And as my health coach said in, in our most recent group call, she was like, sometimes you have to, sometimes your body like goes back to those old ways, like the old food habits or the old ways of relating to remind yourself why you gave it up. And I feel like every time this happens with TV where I allow myself to go back and I get sucked in and I binge it and I literally feel awful. Like I feel so disgusting in my body. I feel dysregulated. I feel disconnected. I feel fear. I just feel awful. It reminds me like, oh yeah, this shit is literally ruining our world. Like if everyone gave up the addiction to the trauma, the chaos, and they actually came home to their own hearts, their own visions, their own breaths, their own bodies, and felt so deeply connected and safe in their own being, we would live in such a different world. And the sneaky thing about addiction is when you give up one, your body is going to replace it with another. So giving up TV or like, you'll hear this all the time, people who give up alcohol and then they replace it with sugar or people who give up sugar, they replace it with porn. People who give up porn, they replace it with um, social media apps. Me giving up TV, I ended up spending a lot more time on my phone. And then I have the valid excuse of like, well, I run my business on Instagram. It's like, well, it doesn't mean I need to be on there when I'm actually not doing things for my business or when I'm just avoiding myself. So these are the different ways that we leak our energy. And again, wherever you're at in your healing journey, like when you're listening to this and you might be like, oh yeah, TV is a totally normal thing in my household. Like it once was for me too, but I promise you, if you give up TV, even just for two weeks, you will notice you will have so much spaciousness and energy in your life that you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what to do with all this. Like at the beginning, it, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel a little weird of like, okay, this routine of, you know, eating dinner in front of the TV and going to bed, what do I replace that with? And so you do need to find other things to replace it with, but intentional ones that actually connect you back to you, meditation, chanting, dancing to a song, journaling, like making a vision board, pulling a card, uh, just lying down on the floor and breathing and putting your hands on your body, listening to a sound bath, listening to music like yoga, like it could be anything that helps bring you back to you. Reading, even reading fiction though can be an addiction. Ooh, reading fiction is so addicting because again, it takes you away from yourself. So I like to read um, nonfiction, like, you know, Gabber Mate books, self-help books, because <laughs> again, I nerd out on this stuff because that's me, but you can find something that feels nourishing for your body. So we need something to replace it with. And that's the importance of picking those daily consistent habits because our nervous systems need consistency. So even if you're picking one thing to do every day, like every day I'm going to sit and meditate for two minutes or every day I'm going to sing this one song, like because singing and chanting and humming tones your vagus nerve. It brings you back into your parasympathetic state. Your ventral state helps you feel safe in your body. So. All this is to say, 
is I'm human and I share with you guys everything because a lot of the times when you're listening to this podcast, you hear about how I've moved through things. And a lot of times you're like, damn, I wish I could move through it that way. Just the way that I look up to my mentor, I'm like, damn, I wish I could take care of myself the way that she does. And it's like, oh wait, you can, right? We all can, we all can have a choice to choose to do that. And also we're all at different points in our healing journey. And so the goal is not to shame yourself. The goal is to meet yourself where you're at and say, how can I be honoring myself better? How can I be loving myself better? And for me, it's being transparent with you guys that these are the things that I have to move through myself. All the things I preach at you all day long are the very things that I have to move through myself. And I don't do it perfectly. I really fucked up this week with the TV. I, I let myself go. And that's, there's no excuse for that. It's unacceptable behavior. Literally. I messaged my mentor this morning saying, I feel like a, a lost toddler in the woods. Do you know why I feel that way? Because TV makes you sucked into the lives of the characters that you're watching and it disconnects you from the present moment. And you know what her response was in all caps? Stop watching TV. Literally, it's that simple. So that is my homework to get myself back to myself, to not abandon myself, to take better care of myself. And I'm sharing all this with you transparently because it's important to remember that like whatever you're struggling to move through, we all have to do this work. All of us, not one of us is exempt from it. And this is the work of creating a new world. If you don't like what's going on in the world right now, it is literally up to you to change it. It's up to all of us individually to change it. Because if all of us connected to ourselves, stopped running away from our emotions, stopped numbing our emotions. And again, this can show up in so many sneaky ways. The person I'm dating right now, they don't watch TV, but they are a fucking workaholic. They don't stay, they don't get still. And it's funny because you might be listening and being like, well, how are, how are you dating someone like that? If you're all about, you know, processing your shit, I can't control this person and I can't control who I have a connection with. <laughs> so you have to remember I'm still human and we all go through the same human shit. And so, you know, yes, I would choose someone that overworks, you know, building their dreams to watching TV any day, because I also used to date someone with a video game addiction. And there was nothing that killed our sex life more than that. So you just have to remember it is all up to us, literally, like deeper connection with yourself leads to deeper intimacy with others. And I mean, look at the world we live in. The world is literally a fucking shit show. And at the same time, last night when I was outside, I was looking up at the stars and I was like, wow, this is such a reminder that such pain and beauty can coexist all at the same time. Like the world has so much pain, so much pain that everyone is just running away from. And it also, I can look up at these stars and be like, holy fuck, the universe is pure magic. And both of those things can coexist. They're meant to coexist. The world is not meant to be all magic or all pain. It's meant to be both. And the more that we can feel safe to stop running away from that, like for me, my homework that I'm assigning myself and that my mentor has assigned me is stop running away from this fear. Show my body that I'm safe. I've been riddled with fear for the past, I don't even know, few weeks. Yeah. I've been riddled with fear and I get to choose how to relate to that fear. 
I get to choose, am I going to hold on to these old ways of being? Or am I going to show my body that I'm actually safe because I am? That's the thing. I am. I am in this present moment. I am safe. In this present moment, if you're watching this, you are safe. And so we battle our nervous systems. We battle ourselves because our nervous systems trick us into thinking we're not safe. My nervous system literally went for a, a hike in the woods with my toddler self and completely left ship. Like I lost myself. She's like walking in the woods. Little me is like fucking trying to find her way home. And so I can have compassion for, oh, there's this younger part of me that is feeling so scared right now. And I can just take a breath with that. And know that it's okay that fear is here. Fear is meant to be here. Fear is not going anywhere. The more you try and run away from it, the more, the more that we try and numb it, the more it exasperates. We create more of what we don't want. So I want you to really look at how is the energy I'm relating to this with creating more of the energy I don't want? What energy do I want to create more of? And so from me avoiding my fear, it creates more fear. And then it makes the problem worse. I have made the initial problem of me feeling scared of not getting attention 10 times worse because that initial root fear that was coming up has now grown into like a watermelon size fear when it really only needed to be this clementine size fear. And had I just tended to that, right? Like, oh, little me is feeling not safe to, to not get attention anymore. Let me tend to her. Let me show her I'm here. I'm here to give you attention. I'm here to show you you don't need attention for being sick anymore. I'm here to show you that you are safe to actually expand and be okay and trust that it's okay to be okay. Just like we say, it's okay to not be okay. We also have to teach ourselves it's okay to be okay. It's actually okay to be okay. And when we live in a world where we get attention off of not being okay, we have to train ourselves. It is okay to be okay. And had I just tended to that in each moment when she was like, oh my God, I'm not getting attention. I took a breath with her. I held her in my heart. I imagined holding her. I just breathed with the fear. I allowed the fear to move through. And then I say, how would I relate right now if I trusted that I'm okay to be okay? And then that trajectory would have looked a lot different. I wouldn't have watched TV. I wouldn't have gotten sick. I would have noticed, oh, like my dad is here and it feels weird to relate from my adult self or it feels scary to have him leave because it felt so nice to have him here and I can breathe and I can get still and I can come back to myself. But what did I do instead? I ran away from the fear. I grasped on for external saving. I got graspy, which is not how I want to relate. That is not how I want to relate. It feels awful. It feels shameful. It, and, and for good reason. Like I should be feeling shame right now. That's actually a good thing. Shame can motivate us to change if we actually look at it dead in the face. Me looking at it dead in the face. And sometimes I actually write out what I'm feeling shame around. I feel shame that I got graspy. I feel shame that I watched two seasons of a fucking idiotic show. I feel shame that... I ran away from my fear. I feel shame that I, what else? Yeah, that I, that I, 
that I got sick and turned into a baby. And I also compassion that at the root of all of that is just a scared two to six year old inside. I always say two to six because two to four and a half is when I was sick. So I always feel when it's like the sick younger part of me, that's really scared because that was the most trauma I've ever been through. But then also age six was like age five to six was after my parents got divorced, after my mom was exploring her new relationship and she wasn't as present as I needed her to be. And that's really when a lot of my anxious attachment and my fear of abandonment that I, it's really when I perceived abandonment, that's really where my abandonment wound fully crystallized. So when I connect to my younger self, it's always that two to four and a half year old who's really terrified because she's going through the sickness, or it's this five to six year old who's really terrified because she just went through the sickness and now is looking for mom. And I can have deep compassion for that younger part of myself that just feels so scared, but I cannot placate to her and I cannot allow her to make excuses for my behavior. I have to take full ownership, radical honesty and responsibility for my behavior because looking at the shame dead in the face is the only way we can actually use shame as a catalyst. And you'll see all the time, like, oh, you can't shame yourself into change. You have to love yourself into shame or into change. Looking at your shame is actually loving yourself. Avoiding your shame is not loving yourself because you're avoiding parts of yourself. How can you love yourself if you're avoiding parts of yourself? You can't only love certain parts of yourself. That's conditional love rather than unconditional love, which is loving all parts of yourself. So the parts that I feel shame around, I have to look at that. And by looking at that and allowing myself to feel it and say, I don't want to relate this way anymore. It actually motivates me to relate differently because I love myself enough to not want to do behaviors that make me feel shame for good reason. The shame is there to tell me and communicate to me, oh, this doesn't feel like an aligned way of relating. This is not you honoring yourself. And so I say, thank you, shame. Thank you for letting me know but this is not how I want to relate. And this is not me honoring myself. And then we use that as a catalyst for change, acceptance before change, acceptance that I related this way, that I feel the shame around this and then change. We can feel the shame while also having deep compassion for ourselves. They actually have to go hand in hand or else you're just using the shame to be hard on yourself and being hard on yourself then ends up being a protector against other people being hard on you. Like if I went to my mentor and I was like, I watch TV, but here's my list of excuses why she would have fought me on it and been like, no bitch, here's what's actually happening. You're running away from yourself. But because I was able to come to her and say, I'm watching TV. I fucking hate it. I hate the show. I'm mad at myself. I blah, 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 blah. Me kind of being hard on myself was a protector against her being hard on me. And also it's, it's also just me being honest with myself, right? So there's a difference and this can be a sneaky one. This is something that I have to work through every time this happens is like the difference between being hard on yourself as a way of protecting yourself from judgment or others being hard on you versus being radically honest with yourself. And so you know, yes, I was a little hard on myself because that felt safer than hearing it from her. 
for me to just say it, but it was also me just being honest with myself. And sometimes those two can overlap a little bit, but it's looking at how can I be honest with myself about this without beating myself up over it? I'm not beating myself up over it. I'm accepting it. I accepted that I did this behavior and it's not acceptable, right? So I'm not accepting it in a way where it's like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like justifying it. It's more this acceptance of, oh, I'm going to be honest about what I how I related and how I abandoned myself so I can choose differently next time and know that it's not going to look perfect. You're going to fuck up. You're going to do shit that makes you abandon yourself. And then you have to come home to yourself. That's literally why I tattooed this come home to yourself because it's always a process of coming home to yourself. So I want you to think about all of this and how it applies to you with your own addictions. And I want you to look for very sneaky excuses around your addictions and how are they serving you? How are they helping you feel safe? And how are they actually keeping you stuck? And how can you show little you that you do not need them anymore to feel safe? You can show her a new way of safety. And if you need support with this, module six of Come Home to Yourself is all about addiction because we all have addictions, literally all of us. If you are a human listening to this with a nervous system, you have addictions. So module six focuses all about addictions. We choose an addiction to give up at the beginning of the group. And I help you release that addiction by the end of the four months. And the great thing about this work is that when you choose one addiction, the root of that addiction is the same for all of them, right? So whether you have three addictions or 500 addictions, when we release one, you end up actually releasing most of them because you're building the internal safety where you don't need to be relating through them anymore. So this is what I help you with in my group from home yourself. We start November 28th. We only have a couple spots left. The women who have jumped in already are literally such dreamy aligned clients. I feel super, super grateful and honored to be doing this work with them. This is for anxiously attached women wanting to build secure attachment, wanting to release the control, release the graspiness, release the addictions, release the maladaptive ways of coping. Now I am guiding you through this, which is why transparency and authenticity is literally the face of my brand. Because I want you to know that I have been through this. I'm only guiding you in something that I have guided myself in. Does that mean I'm perfect and I, and I don't fuck up? Fuck no, I'm not perfect. I fuck up all the time. But that to me is way more relatable than someone telling you, oh, you're going to do this work and then you're never going to be human again. No, you're going to do this work and you're going to fuck up, but you get to choose how to relate to that. So we have a couple spots left. DM me or head to link in bio to apply. And then also spots left in Real Men Heal, which is my signature men's group healing program. This is for any attachment style. It's really for deconditioning all of the fucked up wiring that men have had where they literally have not had safety to feel their feelings. They have not had safety to be their human authentic selves, which is fucked up. It is fucked up and men deserve so much better than that. And so we are here to correct that and give them that reparative experience because they deserve a reparative experience. And it's actually a very imminent, crucial thing that men prioritize doing this work because the repercussions of not look at the world around us.
And Liz Plank talks about this a lot in her work. If you haven't looked into her, she's really, really wonderful at talking about how this is actually a health crisis for everyone because the number one shooters, the number one, you know, uh, leaders, war, all the atrocious things are happening primarily from men. And men also have four times higher addiction rate than women do. Why is that? Because addiction is an attachment disorder. It's an attachment disorder, meaning that you try and fill with an addiction what only an open heart can give. And how do you open your heart? You actually feel safe to have all parts of you be seen. But when men are constantly being told that they can't cry, they can't feel that feeling is a weakness, that man up, man up, man up, they literally have to repress parts of themselves to survive. Can you imagine what that must feel like? So we are here to shift that and give men the space that they need and deserve to be human. And then the last but not least is my membership Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. You can read all about the three tiers of the link in bio. This is a great option for people that want access to all my work, all my programs with also having support with a community and Q&As and trainings and ways to get support, but at a lower cost investment, it's only $3.70 a day with a month-to-month -month commitment. And then for tier two and three, you have the option of upgrading where you get all of my programs, including my new program that I'm working on. I'm very excited um, and we'll be announcing that uh, soon. So stay tuned for that. Let me know if you guys have any questions. Let me know if you need accountability. You can DM me and be like, two weeks, no TV. I'm accepting your challenge and let's do this challenge together. I'm going to be doing a much longer than two week challenge. I'm going to be doing a, maybe a two year challenge. I don't know, maybe a forever challenge because I never want to fucking watch TV again. It's literally the devil and it makes me feel like shit. So that is my challenge. But for you, let's start with two weeks or two months or wherever you're at that feels like a good challenge and watch how fucking incredible you can feel without it. It's going to feel scary because your body is not used to it, but that's why we have support. That's why we need co-regulation so that you can show your body, oh, I am safe to give this up and not hold on. Because the longer we hold on, the longer we suffer and the longer it takes to get to where we are going. So let's stop getting in our own ways, myself included. Let's refocus, get home to ourselves and create such a fucking magical life that is available to each and every one of us. I love you guys so much. Let me know if you have any questions that come up. Let me know if you're watching the replay of this, comment replay, ask me anything. I'm here for you. I love you. Here's to releasing all of the addictions, coming home to ourselves, stepping into our power and creating a life beyond our wildest dreams. Cheers. All right. Love you. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye.